Hello and warm welcome to Straight from the Heart, a podcast by Pragyan Advisory. I am Vivek Tiwari, your host. In the last several months, we've realized the importance of having focused and deep conversations like never before. And taking a leaf from the lessons learned, we've termed this new series as Conversations. As part of Conversations today, we have someone who's been a business consultant. He is a startup advisor, a cricket enthusiast, and has also played strategic roles in the growth journey of a couple of uh, successful startups like uh, HealthCart, Moengage, as uh, CHRO. Dear listeners and viewers, please welcome Jitender Panihar. Jitender, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Vivek, uh, you know, and uh, Pragyan Advisory for having me here. Uh, looking forward to a meaningful and uh, a learning experience. Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> and I must tell our uh, viewers and listeners that uh, Jitender has been living a very adventurous life and he is now at the stage where he's going through a minor hiatus. And that's the time I thought it's best for me to catch up with him. Otherwise, he's going to get very, very busy. So here we are. So Jitender, um, just to set the context, I must uh, share with you that uh, our conversation today is largely around what I call role of HR in startup organizations. Sure. So that's where we'd like to keep the conversation uh, around. And uh, considering your background, I would say that you've been the head HR of two of the most successful startups in India. Uh, just for our listeners and viewers, one more time, HealthCart and Moengage. And you've played a key role uh, there in both the organizations. So, um, you know, my first question to you would be, tell me what role can HR play in startups where I know there's passion, there's, you know, for lack of a better word, I would say chaos and definitely huge, huge hunger for growth. So what role can HR play in such a space? Uh, so I think Vivek, uh, you know, it's a very interesting question. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, uh, and I also feel that, you know, there's, there's no uh, short answer or I would say a right answer to this question, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if I go back and look at my experience of working with uh, these two startups, and also a few more startups that, you know, I work pretty closely with. Hmm. I think the answer to this question is largely determined by the context at play. Hmm. Right. And, and that is something, you know, which I feel fundamentally is the right attempt to answering this question. Hmm. Uh, the role and HR uh, team, uh, you know, for, that needs to play in a, in a startup is largely governed by, you know, the context and the context could be, let's say, a high growth uh, phase. The context could be the scale. The context could be size. The context could be, uh, let's say, hyper competitiveness, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. So this totally depends, you know, in terms of what is the context uh, of that particular organization, hmm. right? But, you know, if I take a step back hmm. and do not, uh, let's say, get, uh, get complicated hmm. uh, in terms of this context play, there are some broad fundamentals to answering this question, you know, from mm. a from a generic perspective. Uh, I particularly feel that there are two or three very very key expectations from HR, or or I would say the kind of role 
an HR leader or an HR team needs to play. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, you know, I would like to draw an analogy with the game of sports or being a cricketer my, myself. Let me, uh, you know, put, uh, you know, limelight on, on the coach. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first uh, expectation and, and the role that HR needs to play, which is very, very similar to a sports coach. Mm -hmm. Right? We all talk about, and we all have seen, you know, how Ravi Shastri have, you know, has, has looked at, uh, you know, the Indian cricket team in a moment of chaos, in a moment of letdown as well, mm. versus some of the other coaches as well. Mm. So I think, uh, you know, an HR person being a coach needs to constantly keep looking at the near-term commitments and near-term plans, right? They have to constantly focus on winning, winning the next match or winning mm. the next game, which is very similar to an HR person uh, essentially working on policies, essentially working on practices, also solving, you know, the real-time need of that particular organization, right? For example, if you are struggling a lot with uh, hiring technology talent in this particular market, right? As a coach, I need to make sure that, you know, I prepare my team to win that next match. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I also need to work on longer-term uh, uh, strategic priorities and goals, right? Which is all about building an organization of future, right? Mm -hmm. I may be, let's say, a 50-member organization or a 200-member organization, largely mm -hmm. operating in Indian subcontinent. Mm -hmm. But the kind of product that, you know, we are building as part of the organization, right? Am I, am I uh, you know, defining that fundamental framework and blocks to be able to build a larger, uh, uh, you know, penetrated global organization? Right mm. from culture and from a people perspective. Mm. So the first uh, role that an HR uh, individual or or the HR team needs to play is is of a sports coach. Mm. The second role, uh, you know, which again is pretty close to my heart, and you know what I used to be, which is a consultant role. Right, <laughs> and I fundamentally believe that you know every individual in a startup organization needs to be a consultant. You know, they need to be a true blue hardcore consultants, right? Which is all about getting into an organization, understanding the organization fabric, you know, mm. for, to the to the T, mm. right? Uh, experience the current state and then possibly identify, you know, what is the future state of the organization, be it from a people perspective, be it from the culture perspective, or let's say be it from a leadership and strategy perspective, right? Mm. So my ability to understand the current state, my ability to transform the organization towards future, mm. right? And constantly working on data, constantly, you know, working on monitoring mechanisms is something, you know, which, which really, really makes, you know, my life or the startup life very, very interesting mm -hmm. as well as exciting. And especially, you know, for, I'm answering this question from an HR perspective. So the mm. second role someone needs to play pretty strongly and with a with lot more sincerity, I would say, is, is of a consultant okay. role. So okay. the first role is, is a sports coach, sports coach or a coach. The second is consultant. Mm. Third, I would say, is someone, you know, who needs to be there, right, for the entire organization. And I'm not very sure whether I'll be able to articulate it, uh, uh, you know, very, very clearly, but I'll still try and make an attempt on the role that, you know, I want to project, project 
Mm. And it is more around uh, being there and creating a legacy for the organization, mm. right? So which is which is more uh, more like uh, you know someone who works pretty closely with the founders, someone who works pretty closely with the leadership, but also work very very closely with employees and managers of that organization, right? Mm. Aligns the organization to be able to reach where we aspires to be. Mm-hmm. which is a very very different uh you know i would say thought process right because mm-hmm. you are not necessarily only working on processes only working on policies you are mm-hmm. not just working on creating rewards uh identifying benefit mechanisms mm-hmm. but which is more around you know being that figure in that organization who people mm-hmm. can walk up to right mm-hmm. be it employees managers right or leaders so some something which is very very similar to let's say a bhishma pitame mm. if i connect it back to mythology right mm. someone who's been there for the samrajya right mm. doing all the right thing being the rightiest guy mm. providing all that ammunition which everyone requires mm. you know at the right time mm. so so i think in my view these are the three very very critical roles mm. an hr leader or an hr Uh, uh you know function needs to manifest or needs to aspire for in a startup thank you this trinity that you talked about i think the first one was coach or a sports coach <laughs> where you know you are enabling people uh, to help them to achieve stretch meaningful and you know difficult goals challenging goals um i think that was that was one that came out very clearly the second one was that of a consultant ability to identify a problem able to identify uh, apply your mind mm. to solve interesting problems ability to sense where the organization is going uh, what all things what all levers are required at this point in time in the organization to create value i think the third one was being and i think the last one i found i think all of them are interesting but the last one was i would say that really really caught up my attention was being there and i think you explained it also very well yeah. using indian mythology being there for the founders and yeah. for the employees and for the managers and therefore you know uh, the hr folks need to have that kind of bandwidth to sort of play along because the founders may be looking for something else uh, the yeah. employees for something different and and managers for something different and as the stage progresses maybe the three stakeholders uh, are asking things which are quite different uh, yeah. and and then you have to play along uh, help them see from an hr standpoint what is required uh, and also be a bridge between or amongst the three territories in that yeah. sense and 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 the foremost thing i would say is and correct me if i'm wrong one also has to be a trusted partner to all these three territories Uh, and for that you know you need to have that human element along with that a strategic bent of mind both which is required yeah. lovely i think this was so i'm sure uh, you know your stint must have been very very fulfilling because uh, one you were able to play the role of sports coach second consultant third being there for the for yeah. the folks for the organization for the founders so yeah uh, okay so what i'll do is you know i'll take a clue from where we ended our first sort of question and i'll move to the next one because i also know that uh, you are uh, a startup advisor so you know uh, being a startup advisor and uh, which allows you to meet a lot of people who are in the startup world 
founders and also being a global head of uh, global head of people and culture in your last organization mo engage uh, share with us your views uh, you know about organizations which are on a i would say very high growth path rounds looking for rounds and rounds of funding taking big bold bets mm. where does culture fit in into all this uh so again uh, you know this is this is very very interesting and very very intriguing as well mm. right because culture is one word that we often hear everywhere in every conversation mm. right uh you know be it a candidate uh, figuring out whether they should join an organization each mm. uh, are uh talking about the pitch to candidates uh founders Mm. Uh, sharing their stories mm. so i think uh, culture is often the most used and sometimes i also feel you know often misused mm. term as well mm. right and and seeing uh, culture in startups very closely in the last 6 mm. uh, years i would say mm. uh, you know i would i would like to take this opportunity to also burst a couple of myth you know that i have been able uh, uh to experience as well right. so i think first and foremost the moment we say startup right uh <clears throat> you know people tend to associate uh startups with certain terminologies right uh now these terminologies could be let's say uh <clears throat> you know free booze <laughs> uh you know which <laughs> which is there on the floor to anyone <clears throat> and everyone <clears throat> right uh and sometimes startup culture uh <clears throat> you know relates or gets related to uh, uh some of these things around uh, openness right mm-hmm. now fundamentally if you look at openness it might mean different things to different individuals right, right? but what we what we experience uh you know people manifesting is 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 having an open uh desk right where they are sitting alongside a founder right mm. so i think uh you know there is a huge myth people have that culture are some of those intangible things which people talks about right mm. Mm. so often they tend to uh, uh you know i would say mistake perks as culture mm. right so table tennis football table uh you know paid off uh you know which is unlimited uh you know swanky vacations for people uh right great great perks and benefits you know in terms of hospitalization etc etc mm. so i think the first thing that we need, really need to understand is perks uh you know are part of the experience part mm. of the journey in a startup mm. but people tend to correlate uh perks as cultures that's the mm. first myth that you know i've been able to fathom or figure out mm. in the last 6 years mm. you know because you know if you are if you are hiring people if you are trying to retain people often these things come into your conversation right <clears throat> and then you know it takes a lot and i think it should take a lot for an hr team to be able to really figure out mm. you know what is the real game you know that we should play in that organization you know mm. is it all about you know just playing perks as a tool or mm. it is about working on something you know which is really really meaningful and long term in nature mm. so that's a first myth uh, you know which i would like to break mm. uh second aspect is 
is how do we look at a particular transition, right? Because, uh, you know, when we start an organization, it might be a two-member organization. Now two becomes 20, becomes 50, becomes 200, right? Mm. One thing which is fundamentally very, very important, Vivek, is how do we manage the transition, right? Mm. While a lot of people do not talk about it, and, and especially in startups, you know, we often don't talk about change management as a real, real skill or a mm. real value, right? We only talk about culture either when things are going wrong mm. or when something has already gone wrong, right? Mm. But nowadays, mm. if you look around outside in the market, culture often gets talked about because, you know, that's that's the hottest selling uh item on the plate right mm. because everyone is vying for talent everyone is mm. competing with talent it's a hyper competitive market right right you have to consciously keep on looking at items which can differentiate you with someone mm. else mm. right but at the same time you know we we need to go back to the drawing board and figure out the way we manage change is something which determines you know how my culture shapes up and now mm. coming back to specifically answering your question, mm. now it might be a high growth organization, you know, mm. multiple rounds of funding. Mm. I think it's very, very important for the founders and leaders to be very clear in terms mm. of what is the spirit of this organization that I want to keep, mm. right? Because when there is hyper growth, when, they are, when there is huge capital infu infusion, mm. right? There are going to be plans and priorities which will get defined and mm. which will get iterated as well, mm. right? Mm. Now, to be able to work on them, you know, is a business intent and a business strategy. Right. But how I change my organization, right? To move from a 50 member to a 500 member, to move from, let's say, a 10 million ARR to a 25 million ARR is something which requires a lot of self-discipline to that mm. spirit, right? Mm. And that spirit is something, you know, which I feel is, is the culture of the organization. Now, to answer your question, you might still have a lot of variables at play. Mm. You might have, uh, you know, difficult questions being mm. asked every mm. quarter or let's say every year. But I think as a founder, right, and as a founding team or leadership group, right, are you, are you in a position to commit yourself to that spirit, irrespective of whether you are 20, 50, or a 500 is something that determines how important culture it is for you, right? Mm. Culture is extremely important. I'm not mm. saying that because everyone needs to say that in this mm. competitive market. Mm. It needs to be there in spirit. And it requires it requires a lot to be able to have that self-discipline mm. to the spirit. Mm. So these are my I, two words on this video. I, I, I think I personally like uh, perks being confused as the only an integral part of culture. I think that's an important point because, yes, I think I would also agree with you many a times it gets somewhat communicated like that and interpreted like that by a lot of people. I think that's, and yes, you're right, managing transitions because transition, I think, in a startup and in a successful startup must be happening very quickly, you know, yeah. as you move and as you acquire, uh, release new products, go into new geographies, build new alliances, newer rounds of funding, newer sort of investors coming in. So that's, right. And, and, and you're moving on and on and on. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, and, and to have that idea of change management, as you pointed out. Um, I was particularly interested in the world that you use, spirit of the organization. I think that's, that's very important because uh, 
I think in the form we lose the spirit. You yeah. Know, and 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 as the form starts acquiring a bigger and more prominent shape, we tend to yeah. you know lose the. And some of the you know uh, stalwart founders who created a lot of value for multiple stakeholders across you know geographies, I think they've been able to somehow uh, institutionalize this bit of culture. Yeah. I can share from my own experience. One is of course that. You know, I think Netflix deck, which became very popular at one point in time, which still is, I believe. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and to some extent, it creates a, you know, a world of fantasy around a lot of people who want to work for a start for, for, for any startup. And I, my personal experience also of working with Amazon, uh, I think. Uh, so I realized that how much uh, importance is given to culture. Right. Right. And uh, the way it is defined is through, you know, the leadership principles, which are extremely famous and how the right. principles are used uh, in all areas of business. Correct. Uh, Correct. So that's, that's the beauty of it. And it's not that they are completely static. Mm. They, 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 they maintain the core and they keep on, you know, refining it and, 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 you know, fine tuning it and adding more to it. Recently, they've added two more principles. Sure. So I think, yeah, that's, I, I would completely agree with you that yes, it's important. Uh, it's a way of hiring talent in a hyper competitive market, but mm. one needs to be very clear. It should not be confused with only perks, perks. Yeah. And one must understand what's the spirit of this institution, which I'm trying to build as a founder yeah. or a founding. Yeah. So, yeah, but I will, you know, I will take a, a sort of, I will build on to what mm. you also hinted at and which is about there's so much at times just talked about great startups and the founders and founding team mm. and then suddenly at one stage you know you get to hear about things not working things the way they were going mm. downhill from a culture standpoint and there's a term that you know these days become very popular toxic culture so you know from your <laughs> and Using and leveraging your experience, you know, what are the signs as per you that indicates that it's a toxic culture in a startup? And secondly, mm. one, one, one is that I would like to hear from you what are the signs of a toxic culture? And secondly, what, what creates it and what feeds it? Sure. So I think, uh, again, it's a multidimensional question, uh, Vivek, right? Uh, while I'll try and attempt it from an organizational perspective. Yeah. But I also fundamentally believe that, you know, there is an individual answer to this question as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, while we may all can say that, okay, you know, these, these are signs of a toxic culture, right? Mm. But I'll also try and give certain examples, mm. uh, right? And these examples, if you look at it from an organizational perspective, it might seem like a great pitch uh, to attracting talent. But at the same time, if you look at it from an individual perspective, depending on the context in which uh, the individual is playing its part, it might start seeming like a toxic culture, mm, right? Mm, it's very, very similar to, you know, that astrologer, uh, uh, you know, description, right? Wherein uh, five people go to an astrologer, yeah. right? And there is a description. When five people read the description, everyone starts feeling that, you know, hey, you know, this person is talking about me, uh, right? Because it is so <laughs> very contextual and it is so very ambiguous, right? But mm, again, mm. uh Coming back to uh, answering this question, I fundamentally believe, uh, you know, any organization, you know, who's trying, which is, which is trying to focus on culture, right, Mm -hmm. 
ultimately has to start looking at the play of humanity in that organization mm. and and in the second question that you are asking me you know this is the third point that i wanted to add right uh, ultimately we have to add humanity back into the organization mm. right and this is where i fundamentally believe you know it makes or breaks a culture mm. because culture cannot just only be construed uh you know an outcome of you know having great business strategy having great product uh mm. you know hyper hyper growth mm. uh right uh, a triple digit uh you know i would say increments etc etc but i think ultimately it all comes down to the kind of environment we are creating mm. and hence the kind of culture that we are institutionalizing in the organization mm. so so having to answer this question that what kind of environment are you creating for your people right mm-hmm. how you are treating your people mm-hmm. ultimately defines everything mm-hmm. now when i say people you know it is both your customers mm-hmm. as well as your employees mm-hmm. right if you are being able to to empathize with your customers empathize mm-hmm. with your employees mm-hmm. and at the same time if you are being able to be supportive to your customers and to your employees mm. i think you know if you have cracked that culture code mm. wherein you can say that you know uh, hey you know i have been able to create a great environment wherein i can attract great people mm. but at the same time if i do not treat them well mm. if i do not provide them support mm. if i do not empathize with with great talent mm. ultimately they will not stay mm. so i think uh, Uh, you know i answered this question you know in a in a slightly different fashion right i think if you are been able to put humanity in your mm. environment mm. you will never ever be a toxic culture mm. Mm. now what i also learned from that is there are a lot of things which mm. you can play around in an organization mm. uh, if you don't have some of these essentially will uh, uh, ensure that you know you become a toxic culture mm. <laughs> now apart from these you know basis my understanding of the startup ecosystem in the last 6 years mm. i feel i feel one of the biggest reasons of us calling out something as toxic mm. or us distinguishing something as toxic mm. is is that entire concept around misalignment mm. right so if you are not been able to align mm. let's say the organization or the individual aspirations mm. possibly either the organization or an individual will feel mm. that okay you know there is a bit of toxicity mm. in the entire ecosystem mm. or let's say there is toxicity mm. uh, you know in in this particular organization mm. now something which i feel you know is 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 very very interesting for others uh, to become part of my organization let's say having no boundaries to a job mm. let's say let's take example of this mm-hmm. right if i say that there are no boundaries to the job i may pitch it very very significantly to the talent outside and mm-hmm. a lot of people would also love to experience that mm-hmm. because that's where individual contributions get counted right mm-hmm. but if there is someone you know who enters the organization works with me for let's say about 6 months is not been able to align with this entire philosophy of having mm-hmm. no boundaries mm-hmm. right or having cultural values which are very very different to mm. practice in this particular context mm. i feel that you know hey you know i have lost work life balance mm. right there is no respect to me because you know i get loaded with work 
day in and day out mm. <clears throat> there are crazy targets that i have quarter on quarter mm. uh, right and obviously uh, how managers react how leaders act in this particular situation is something you know which is largely uncontrollable mm. when you start scaling up right because it's an empowered team mm. not necessarily in the right direction mm-hmm. so something which you feel you know is a usp of your organization which is having a role with no boundaries mm. right giving lot of ownership and freedom to exercise mm. work <laughs> is now being construed very very differently right from an individual perspective mm. and i guess that's where it it you know it largely uh, is is very very interesting right because that's the play between an organizational thought and individual thought mm. so we have to look at this question uh, you know with lot of perspective uh, vivek and i fundamentally believe it's not always very easy to uh, identify mm. uh, signs of a toxic culture mm. i guess you know this is all very very individual and mm. i have seen companies wherein people enjoy working mm. right talent thrives in in those sort of organizations but if you go to glassdoor you know <laughs> if, you, if you speak with their ex employees Mm. and if you look at the brand perception of some of those organizations mm. it's really really opposite mm. which is very very interesting to think right i mean there mm. are people you know who are enjoying mm. uh, working with certain type of leadership in a certain environment but on the right. other hand certain people don't enjoy so right. i think it is it is all about what my individual values are mm. right how aligned i am to let's say the operating environment of the organization how mm. aligned i am to the culture of the organization mm. right and that's where i believe i'll be able to define that hey you know probably you know it's it's a little toxic for me to work here and mm. i wouldn't i wouldn't want to use words like micromanagement uh, <laughs> right etc mm. because mm. it it's very very subjective it's very mm. very contextual right mm. while while there are certain fundamentals of change that needs to apply when you start scaling up mm. uh which means lot of letting go mm. uh both from the management but again these are organizational processes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. when you are 50 mm. uh micromanagement in some organization is an essential art mm-hmm. <laughs> and without the lack of better words you know we we very proudly say you know we are looking for people who can hustle Mm. right you know be it employees or be it managers right mm. now we are different we we are essentially trying to term mm. micro management as hustle in in and, a context and hands on and hands hustlers on. and people who are hands on i think and, <laughs> you and, combine and the two on. you combine right. the two in some sense you may get a micro manager <laughs> absolutely but when the organization starts moving up or starts growing up right mm. when it becomes a thousand member mm. right the organizational process requires a bit of change management right mm. wherein you know you have to let go mm. uh, you know intentionally or unintentionally you know you mm. have to do that otherwise in the organization will break mm. uh, now the way you look at micromanagement there mm. it's very very different right mm. i mean it may still be a challenge you know from an organization or let's say from an individual perspective where mm. i am not been able to let go Mm. because you know i have to evolve in a different role but ultimately right. you know, i keep on doing something that i used to so it's an organizational process issue right or a challenge right so so i think these are couple of my uh, bits on uh, a toxic culture i right. fundamentally don't think that 
any environment or any culture is toxic yeah. uh, it's very very contextual yeah. it's very subjective to an individual mm. yes the environment plays uh, an important role mm. but uh, talent essentially finds its ways to perform mm. right mm. that's where hr's role becomes extremely important right mm-hmm. uh, if they are being able to create an environment which they are aspiring for if they mm. are they are creating an environment which mm. they are not aspiring for essentially mm. is moving into a toxic environment so what i hear from you essentially the fundamental reason the way you see it is which perhaps can initiate and breed toxicity is the misalignment of a very strong organizational culture with that of an individual yeah or let's say a larger mass that you hired and if yeah. that gets misaligned the chances are that it's going to breed toxicity and i i see what you're saying and i'm just trying to you know uh, relate to some of my experiences so i i realize that and going back to amazon you know a company which thrives on let's say if it's 70 70% ready mm-hmm. let's move on uh, you know and 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 when we launch a product or a service something of that sort uh the rest of the improvements will come through when the when the service or product is offered to the market because we have a very strong feedback loop right and we'll take the feedback and we now this this idea of being you know agile uh very very execution oriented uh a very strong focus on speed uh and this whole idea of if you are 70 75% ready just move on mm-hmm. you know this is gr- this is very uh, deep into the culture yeah. now somebody who's come from an organization where the idea is thoroughness mm. an extreme thoroughness um and 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 that means that you know even if we have to go a little bit slow mm. uh, or even delay things yeah. but one has to be extremely thorough uh, you know at times it's sort of a mismatch right and and one has to make the other person realize and in your way of looking at things it may just start breeding what we call toxicity for this particular individual if yeah. either the person doesn't change or you don't align help the person align or see the person that you know the realities of yesterday perhaps which you were comfortable with is not the reality of today in this kind of an organization which values speed and and looks at execution in a very different manner and yeah so so yeah when you when you were talking about that you know i i got reminded of uh, this particular example and and in your book i think misalignment is the critical area from where possibilities of toxicity may start that's how i see it see i think there is uh, there is one more thing uh, uh, vivek uh, mm. you know if if i have to add uh, you know that to this question mm. which mm. is uh, you know which has always been there mm. right from the time organization started getting built mm. uh, which is walking the talk mm. so i think uh, whatever we do you know the kind of culture that we aspire the kind of communication that we do mm. if, if we don't walk the talk mm. that is something you know which becomes the first mm. uh, bread and butter of mm. breeding you know that culture towards toxicity mm. you're right so i think no matter what we do you know leaders uh, managers uh, and all of us needs to walk the talk mm. if don't do that right irrespective mm. of the scale at which we are irrespective of the size that we mm. are mm. Uh, you know we will not be able to create an environment or a culture that we want to mm. and i yeah yeah and i think that's something which is applicable to all kind of organizations yeah. and i think that's 
very what you are saying and i can understand is that uh, and i am interpreting it in the manner that in a startup it becomes very very immediately visible if you are not walking the talk yes yes that's that's what you know it becomes very clearly perhaps in a bigger setup it may take some time or a lot of time but in a startup it clearly becomes visible that the founders Absolutely. and the founding team sort of say something and does something completely different so when they are facing the media or the investors when they want money they want to they have a very different narrative yeah but that's all that's all it is it's a narrative but when they come inside and when they you know uh, create an environment for us or with us they are completely Correct. different right which yeah in some senses also in some senses also question of integrity in that sense when you yes. don't walk the talk absolutely absolutely yeah okay <laughs> okay um, what i'll do is you know um, because we talked about let's say the founders and the walk the talk kind of a thing i'll just uh, build on to it and sort of move on to my next question which is about uh, tell me uh, from your experience that hmm. what is expected by the founders and the leadership or founding team of a startup uh, from an hr leader and hr teams what is it that they expect see i'm not really very sure what every founder expects of their hr leadership True. what i can i would like to <laughs> answer is what possibly i would expect from nature leader right, right? because right. there are organizations at different stages hmm. right and and you know when i am talking to you know a lot of uh, first time entrepreneurs the kind of kind of expectations they have hmm. is a function of the exposure that they have hmm. right hmm. so let me answer you in this particular fashion hmm. it totally determines uh, it, it it totally is determined by the exposure that the leadership team has right right, right. Uh, if you are a first time founder right mm. if you are a first time entrepreneur you are essentially trying to focus on product market fit you are essentially trying to raise capital you are essentially trying to prove out a lot of uh, hypothesis you know that mm. you have built mm. and possibly these are certain things that you know you never tend to focus on mm. right now once you become slightly mature you are there uh, you know in the ecosystem for let's say about 2 years or 3 years Mm-hmm. then you want certain basic hygiene to be met mm. right and if that time uh, tends to be uh, the year 2021 or 2022 and beyond then obviously you know you'll start reading a lot in terms of what's happening outside in the market and those become your expectations from your hr team as well okay. so i think there is a very very interesting uh, a statement you need to make uh, you know as a founding team uh, are you doing it because everyone else is doing it mm. or you are feeling challenged because you know you have to attract talent and someone else is more powerful and has a lot more muscle and power mm. than you mm. or you are willing to do this because you believe in this mm. right so the belief system has to be extremely extremely important and you have to commit to that uh, uh belief system <clears throat> so mm. your needs are then largely uh uh you know governed by the scale the size the context you have mm-hmm. but if i have to answer this question <clears throat> i think irrespective and i'll try and keep it generic across stages mm-hmm. I'll, okay. i'll try to do that mm-hmm. one is you know you essentially need to be an advisor irrespective mm-hmm. of the stages mm-hmm. be it a five member team or be it let's say a 500 member team mm-hmm. right now the complexity of your problems and issues Mm. might grow or might right. change right 
right now initially you might uh, you know face a lot of issues on operational issues you know how do you do this how do you get a pf done yeah. right people will come with you know very very different set of problems versus uh, you know a team of 500 which will have very very different problems coming to you Mm. so i think you need to be a, a good advisor mm. uh <clears throat> to everyone mm. uh to the leadership uh to managers to employees right that's one core expectations and skill i feel one should uh, uh possess mm. second uh i feel you know you need to have an outside in perspective okay and this is where largely a lot of startups are are not being able to do what they should be doing or mm. a lot of hr teams uh, are not there right <clears throat> now hr team starts having you know a lot of inside perspective mm. which means you know we are totally cocooned uh, you know by our own set of problems our own set of complexities and challenges mm. that you know either we refrain ourselves or we refuse to look outside what's happening mm. in the market right mm. so we need to have lot of outside in perspective and it has become far more critical and important in these times mm. wherein while you are an, an an advisor you also need to have an understanding of you know how do we look at talent a little differently right mm. what sort of brand perception uh, you know is is there in the market mm. how can i retain my talent differently Mm. Right. because everyone else is also doing the same things right mm. Mm. what else do i need to do so while mm. it requires a lot of creativity a lot of innovative thinking mm. but i guess more than that it requires having a lot of outside in perspective wherein mm. you are being able to bring and i am not saying that you need to bring in practices from outside and start implementing mm. right i feel fundamentally you need to think through of your internal problems have a look at outside and then bros bring those things so it's not mm-hmm. about benchmarking it's not about just copying practices from mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. it's about widening your horizon right mm-hmm. and expanding uh, you know your perspective mm-hmm. which is extremely extremely critical i feel mm-hmm. <clears throat> so so these are the two things in my uh, view mm-hmm. uh, the most important but there is also a third element which is which is being there as a custodian right mm. and when i say being there as a custodian which mm. is not about uh, you know for a particular process or for for a particular program mm. right for me custodian is like an all rounder mm. right which can travel which can actually time travel mm. let me rephrase this mm. uh in this particular manner and what i mean by time travel is someone you know who can who has seen complexities of a 20 member mm. has also traveled in time mm. grown with the organization now again mm. that is subject to certain caveats mm-hmm. uh, mm. right but someone who can time travel <clears throat> look at change a little differently right mm. understand that change can spend that much of time with managers leaders right take ownership of let's say culture from a near term from a future perspective mm. practices have an outside in perspective mm. is also an advisor at the same time mm. so i think you know this is that spiritual thought possibly uh, you know i would expect an hr leader to have mm. which is a lot of time travel in mm. in order to be able to manage 
those complexities right mm. which possibly you don't know as on today mm. right but you should be able to envisage mm. or rather ampl- uh, anticipate mm. uh, you know if i look at the future so so i think these three uh, roles or expectations or skills uh, you know i would love to have an hr leader to demonstrate mm. or manifest <clears throat> so the advisor who's able to advise on a multiple issue, multiple sort of issues and you know depending on the stage it can be like very operational as yeah. you talked about a pf or something of that sort salaries uh, you know being released on time which is critical yeah. uh, you know uh, let's say an onboarding which is going to happen in the right manner uh, you know uh, forms which are important part of capturing the information is there so uh, a, a bit of an ability to advise and execute on the operational part and as we grow and the problems mm-hmm. become complex uh, able to also see through those problems and advise that's one you are saying second is you know uh, many a times because your uh, you are serving the internal territory because you are serving the internal territory and your customers are inside mm-hmm. you tend to be more inwards yeah and therefore your ability to serve them well perhaps can diminish significantly because you are not able to sort of have your eyes outside and now the trick that you said there to be cautious about is while your eyes are outside it's not about blindly copying practice that's not going to work yeah so it's that beautiful boy balance of understanding what's there inside my organization where True. am i yeah and then you know you know looking outside and seeing what can i really cherry pick or get inspired Yes. or meaningfully adapt and yes. adopt uh, to make to 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 really uh, you know help my internal constituency uh, work better i think that's the second thing that you talked about outside in and i'm saying this just for uh, sort of uh, recapping for our listeners and viewers and the third is i think very interesting one which is the custodian and you defined it very well that what i mean by custodian is custodian from many many angles and many many dimensions so what i am hearing out is that you know uh, somebody who wants to play a significant role as an hr leader uh, or an hr manager in a, in a startup i think is should be very clear that you know uh, it's a job which demands a lot from you uh, not only from an execution or operational standpoint but also from an intellectual bandwidth standpoint um, also from ability to connect uh what's happening in the outside world uh, having a very close ear to the ground what's happening inside my organization and then able to take calls and influence uh, at a very quick pace so it's a very very interesting world and uh, place to be in uh, i mean at least that's the picture that you have painted in front of me uh, i hope that's yeah. what it is yeah. because you've been there for <laughs> last 6 years or maybe more yeah so so i think it's an interesting exciting challenging uh world what we make of it is is totally up to us of course i have always believed uh, you know in this philosophy mm. so yeah mm. good so you know um, with all this and with all your experiences and being a part of uh, such wonderful organizations uh, who sort of grown significantly meaningfully uh and and you also contributed in your way not only from the business strategy standpoint but also from building the culture 
you know helping the people perform uh, standing next to them and helping the teams bond align grow tell me you know uh, what are your some of those i would say some of those learnings that you cherish working with let's say dynamic aspirational entrepreneurs and leadership teams so when you close your eyes and when yeah. you think of few memories that you cherish yeah what are those memories that you cherish being part of such a culture okay uh, so i think uh, it's a combination of learnings that you have from different areas of your experience right mm. so there are definitely learnings from your peers mm. learnings from the founders learnings from your experience of doing things mm. uh, of building things in those in those startups mm. but if i have to cherry pick uh, a few while it's while it's a little difficult uh, but i think legacy is something that i would pick now i am not very sure whether you know if i can i i can call it as a learning but i think uh, your your love towards creating an impact mm. or your ability to deliver value is mm. something you know that you start acknowledging or you start realizing mm. i would say and and that's why you know having you know if if i close my eyes and look back possibly answering this question that have i created a legacy mm. in that organization mm. is something you know which is a learning and is also you know an answer to yourself right what did you do mm. so so i i'm i'm answering this question a little differently Mm. right i mean you asked a very uh, a clear question but mm. uh, you know this is the way you know i'm i'm trying to answer this mm. second uh, important thing which comes to my mind is <clears throat> apart from you know that legacy aspect is uh, have you been able to change or transform lives mm. which i still would pick uh, is 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 different than legacy mm. right so when you say change or transform lives right as an individual as a leader mm. right have you been able to uh, create a team mm. have you been able to create better leaders mm. have you been able to create that presence mm. of yours right even spiritually Mm. in that organization right mm. which people can look up to mm. right be it like a coach or a mentor or an hr leader or mm. as a professional mm. so i think uh, you know that's that's again you know one thing which i uh, keep pretty close to my heart mm. uh, third is is not essentially a learning but possibly a, a reflection mm. uh, or a realization Mm. which again will be very different individual to individual mm. passion is something you know which which all of us love right mm. and all of us wants to be so very passionate in whatever we do mm. so much so that you know we we publicize that in the jds saying that you know we are looking for passionate individuals mm. right and we expect everyone to have so much of passion mm. somewhere i guess one learning is you know we we have to also be aware of a thin line mm. that we are creating for ourselves mm. 
mm. as professionals and as leaders right especially mm. when we work in startups mm. passion is good right but i fundamentally believe you know it's a double edged sword mm. Mm. right after a point in time right mm. and sometimes you don't realize and i guess mm. this is a reflection that i have not to say that you know i will i will become less passionate more <laughs> right but i think it's a double edged sword which requires lot of self reflection and i think that self awareness should be there mm. in an individual mm. right because what you have signed up for is is very very fast paced right sometimes it will get crazy a mm. uh, significant amount of pressure right all kind of pressure you know it's not just about people expecting from the hr leaders but also you know market outside uh, economies etc etc right so how you how you reflect on your passion right mm-hmm. how you balance that out mm. right and the calls that you take mm. for yourself mm. is 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 one of the biggest learning that i feel and mm. there is a fourth learning mm. as well mm. and uh, and something you know which i firmly believe in uh, now it's okay to reset it's okay to quit and it's okay uh, to say that hey you know let me take a pause uh to come back stronger mm-hmm. right <laughs> and i am not saying this because you know everyone has started talking about mental health or everyone mm-hmm. has started talking about wellness mm. but i think if you look everywhere mm. right uh ben stokes mm. you know one of one of the uh, best all rounders that we can see mm. decided to take time off mm. right not because you know he started facing issues in his life mm-hmm. but i guess somewhere champions also needs to take a step back mm. right as individuals mm. because we tend to push ourselves so very hard irrespective mm. of the levels right Mm. we tend to push everyone around us so very hard mm. right sometimes it's 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 important right to take a pause mm. because that will determine how strongly you know you can come back mm. in life mm. and i think this is not just about being in startups but i guess mm. now you know it's a it's a it's a real learning you know that i could gather uh based on the life that we all are mm. living so so yeah i mean that's where i rest my answer these are the four broad learnings or reflections uh you know i have very very profound i would say i think uh, when i'm listening to you and you know it gives me a sort of a picture that startups perhaps are a field where you get to experience life in a very fast forward manner and therefore you know some people tend to also become perhaps mature in a very fast forward manner because they tend to experience a lot more in a shorter span of time and if they are uh, smart wise reflective you know i think uh, the wisdom accumulation also starts happening at a faster pace so yeah. quite profound you talked about legacy you talked about changing lives you talked about passion the double x word i think i think from i think that's the point where i thought in the conversation the amount of profundity suddenly took a uh, very different level uh, you know and then of course uh, this whole this whole realization of 
uncomfort of saying that you know uh, taking a pause to perhaps move forward pause is not about uh, a reflection of or an indication of stagnation only True. pause at times is also about uh, looking inward and trying to gather self uh, and you know at times uh, i'm not saying it happens with everyone but at times people do go through a feeling in hindi we say dishahin gatishil you know you tend to at times uh, i'm not saying a lot of us but at times few of us who are running very fast suddenly <clears throat> they start questioning that you know we're moving at a very high speed but what's the direction yeah and what's the and that's a that's a very uh, wonderful way of looking at it when you say being comfortable to quit uh, at times to reset when you realize that yeah. well it's time for me to think deeply well, where am i going what am i doing yeah what am i supposed to do with all the learnings that i have acquired correct so this correct. was uh, also this was very deep way of perhaps ending the conversation because that's sort of my last that was my last question for you i must say that uh thanks thank you jitender uh, for taking time out for this conversation my i'm pleasure. sure i'm sure our our, our listeners and viewers uh, will immensely benefit from your views and i think uh, the experiences that you have gone through and your comfort of sort of sharing that at times in a very abstract manner and then at same point in time coming down to that level of concreteness which is required that was uh, beautiful i must say thank you no it's been it's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you vivek and yes i mean it 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 was real a conversation really a conversation from the heart right because there are a lot of things that i had also not thought through right and you made sure that some of those conversations you know come from deep within so thank you uh, you know for facilitating uh, that as well all right bye bye and that's how we sign off take care bye thank you take care vivek bye